Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be it's like you have gone through the little weaklings, the hype is there. But now you're going to take on the big boy, Jerusalem, God's people. And so in this corner, fighting out of Assyria is King Sennacherib. And over in this corner, fighting out of Judah, it's King Hezekiah. I can just hear it like it was a boxing match about to happen. Let's get ready to rumble. They're about to, it's it's the big event. It's the, the, what is it called, a super slam, WWF or whatever they called it, Slamorama, what, I don't know. This is the big deal. And the crowd of the nations are going wild because they're just waiting to see this. They just want to see this guy fall. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen because Judah is such a small little kingdom. They don't have much of a military. This is like David and Goliath all over again. The news of this huge confrontation had gotten so big that by the time the Lord takes Sennacherib down, everybody on earth is going to know who God is, that he is the only one God that there is. And he is the God of Israel. All these other nations, well, we got our own gods. Wait a minute, we got run over by this guy and little Judah beat him? How did they do that? There must be something to their God. I think I want to find out and go look. And now all the other nations are curious about this God of Israel. This is how God gets glorified on a global scale. And it's still happening today. You turn on the news, you don't hear anything about the country of Nepal, or the country of, uh, I think it's, uh, it looked like it's called seashells, Se- Seychelles or something, it's in the middle of the, the, the ocean. I worked them on ham radio the other day, I was like, who is that? You don't hear about them, but you do hear about Israel, that little wedge of carrot cake up there, you know, that little bitty dot that most kids today probably couldn't point out on a map if you showed it to them. They're getting all the news. Why? Because God is still today glorifying himself on a global scale to show the world who he is. And it makes no sense that all these big nations are coming against little carrot cake Israel and they can't do any they can't knock them off the map. Some at some point people have got to go, "Who is this God?" Do you see what's happening even now? It's not just thousands of years ago here, this is going on today. So they're going to understand who the Lord God of Israel is. Once Assyria's face hits the floor, then won't that be a direct answer to Hezekiah's prayer that he asked for in verse 19? He said, Lord, save us from his hand. And that's not all he said. He said, save us that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. That was Hezekiah's prayer. Don't just save us, but save us in a way that the whole world knows who you are. So here's this paper champion promotion going on, taking all these little weak little kingdoms out. But when he gets to Jerusalem, it ain't going to go the same way. God is orchestrating this to show everybody who he is. 
Y'all following? This is making sense. That means I've done my job. Good. So the Lord had even more to say about Sennacherib in 2 Kings 19, 27. But I know your dwelling place. You're going in, uh, you're, you're going out and you're coming in. And your rage against me, because your rage against me and your tumult have come up to my ears. Therefore, I will put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips. And I will turn you back by the way which you came. <laughs> you ain't messing with me, boy. I will, I will hook you and draw you out. It kinda, uh, basically, the Lord also had said, dude, don't mess with me. I know where you live. You ever have somebody tell you, I know where you live. Yeah, it's like supposed to be a threat. Because I know where you're at all the time. I know what you're doing. I always know where you are. And sin of cherub's hatred of God and all the noise that his hatred had caused, he was going around scaring everybody. The Lord says, I heard that. It's come to my attention, and I will do something about it. And so just like how Sennacherib had taken so many people captive and conquered them, the Lord said, I'm going to send you back the same way by which you came, which means the conquering you were dishing out, you're about to get. I'm sending you back down the same pipe you come up out of. You see how the Lord was about to use this fool as a means of glorifying himself to the world. And I put myself in the same category. I'm just a foolish guy. How in the world did we arrive to this? Lord, why did you choose me as a pastor? I I just, I don't get it. As a matter of fact, my first day in ministry was on April 1st. And I told my boss that I used to work, that the company I used to work for, I said, I'll be, I gave him a two month notice and not two week. I wanted to give him plenty of time. And he goes, okay, you're finally going to ministry. I said, yeah, I said, in two months. He goes, okay. An hour later, he comes back. Ah, good one, Ray. That's funny. I have never heard of anybody play an April Fool's joke on me so far in advance like that. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I counted up two months. It's April 1st. That's a good one. And I said, I didn't plan that. I'm for real. <laughs> so my first day in ministry was April 1st. And it kind of reminds me, every April 1st when they go, hi, April Fool's Day, I'm reminded of my place. I'm just a fool. You know, the Lord God uses fools. He can use them for uh, unbelieving fools as well as believing fools, both ways. And, and, but in Sennacherib's case, he's an unbelieving fool. And he said, I'm going to put my hook in your nose. The Lord says, I'm, I'm, it's like when I'm going to catch you like a fish. And I'm just going to reel you right in, you idiot. <laughs> I'm just trying to catch the, the attitude here of this guy that would just messed with his children. Because I've got something for you men. And it's like when you catch a fish, no matter how hard they fight, they just can't get off the hook until they get reeled into their doom. And then they end up on your plate, right? With lemon juice on top. He said, I'm going to fillet and fry you by the time I get done with you. So this is Sennacherib's warning here that the Lord said to uh, Hezekiah's people, he's about to get caught and reeled in like a fish stuck on a hook. And the Lord's going to turn him back by the way he came. He says, you've been conquering, you're going to be conquered. It's kind of like saying, you made your bed, now you're going to lay in it too. You're going to get the same thing you've been dishing out. God promised to do to Assyria as they had done to others. Friends, that's a lesson in itself that I can make a whole other sermon. However you want to be treated, you need to treat others. If you want to be treated well, treat other people well. Well, I will when they treat me well first. No, you start and see, and let let the Lord bring it back around. So he's going to drag them off, and they were going to have to eat 
the Assyrians were going to have to eat the same foulness that they had forced everybody else to swallow. And here it comes soon. 2 Kings 19, 29. He's talking to the people of Judah here. This shall be a sign to you. You shall eat this year such as, such as grows of itself, and in the second year what springs from the same. Also in the third year sow and reap, plant vineyards, and eat the fruit of them. And the remnant who have escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. He's saying, I'm going to restore you. Look at that. Verse 31, for out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant and those who escape from Mount Zion. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That is good to hear. He says, you don't have to do it. Don't worry about it. I will take care of it. I'll make things work that you don't have the power to do because I'm your God. We need to have this perspective about the Lord. We get worried. Oh, what am I supposed to do? Let the Lord deal with it. He says, I, the Lord, do all this. I will take care of it all. I mean, be honest with yourself. Unless you're like Sennacherib, look how mighty I am. Do you really think you've got the ability to accomplish all the things that the Lord has done in your life? You really think you've had the strength to do that on your own? <laughs> of course not. The Lord does it. So the Lord gave some harsh words to King Sennacherib of Assyria, but when he, he then turned to giving promises to King Hezekiah of Judah about signs that would occur about things that would happen that he could look forward to in order to confirm that all the things that he talked about, taking care of King Sennacherib and we're gonna, y'all are going to do well, he says you can look for confirmation, proof that everything is going to be okay. You ever just need to hear that sometime? Everything's going to be okay. Friends, I can tell you right now from what we're reading in God's Word, all those big problems you came in here with, oh God, I don't know what to do, but I better put my Christian face on for church today and force that smile. I want to tell you, God says it's going to be okay. Let Him deal with it. You can't do anything about it. You never have. Let Him deal with it. Ask, pray, thank you God. It's going to be all right. So all this stuff is not going to happen just yet, though. But here comes the signs to prove that they eventually will happen. So what he said, here's what's going to go down. Because y'all expect this. He said, for two years, you're going to be able to eat from your own land without being afraid that the Assyrians are going to steal any of it. They have stolen from you. They have taken. You're scared of them. I'm not going to let that happen. Whatever comes out of the ground, as is, I know you haven't had time to cultivate. They probably took your, your farming tools and your, and your oxen and all that. Don't worry. I'll deal with it. What comes up is going to be enough. So whatever you see coming up, that'll be good. That's what he said. Whatever comes up will be, will be okay. And nobody's going to steal it. Now, the Assyrian boast was that they had the power to take everything they wanted, but God assured them, I'm going to protect what belongs to you. So I don't think the people at this point, I don't think they'd been able to plant anything without the Assyrians coming and just taking everything. But God promised that seeds that were already in the ground, things that were already there, would produce as much as a cultivated crop would put out. I'm going to make this go like you ain't never seen in your life. And it's going to be fine. <laughs> Can you imagine being a person of the tribe of Judah going, well, thank God, because I, I wouldn't know how to, how to grow it. I don't have my plow anymore. They took it. They, they took all my stuff. The Lord's like, you got two years to build that all back. We'll get it back. And some of y'all need to hear this right now. 
Because you're contending with something like that. And it's not happened yet, but the Lord will guarantee it's coming. Just be faithful, okay? So this would happen for two years, and by the third year, the people would have enough produce and seed to start working a normal agriculture cycle like they're used to. For two years, they've been hurt. Uh, They need to recover. They need some time to recoup. And God says, I will make everything grow while you rest up and while you get back up to strength. Two years will be enough. Then you're going to have what you need to start cycling that agriculture back up like you're used to doing. God promised to restore back what had been stolen away. And friends, that's our God. I'm so glad because I lost my innocence when I sinned. I lost the salvation that I would have had on my own, but we blew it. We're sinners. And God says, through Jesus Christ, I can restore every bit of it back. You don't have to do a none of it. I'll make it all happen. I'll take care of that. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. Amen? He's a restorer. So from that promise, the Lord likened the people of Judah as being like crops themselves. He, he compared them to agriculture by saying that the people would take root also. He's like, you watch your crops take root and grow and understand that you are going to take root and grow just like what you're about to see the land do. You're going to take root and you're going to produce, meaning your population's going to expand. You're going to be a fruitful people. And I can just... Again, I'm trying to put you in the story. Imagine being someone in Judah hearing this going, wow, all of this is about to turn around. Things are about to get good around here. So Sennacherib had claimed to have taken a lot of people of their people prisoner. And it would seem that the nation of Judah might not have a future at all right now. It's like they're down at their very last end. But God promised that the remnant, meaning those that were left over of Judah, would be established well enough to become prosperous again. And you know, God had to keep the people of Judah preserved because he's made a lot of promise with them. If they fell off the face of the earth, then God's a liar. He made a promise to the people of Judah, I'm going to keep a man from your line on that throne forever. If they die, God's promise is broke. He's a liar. And if God's a liar, then none of us can ever trust him. If God says, well, I promised to save you, well, then, well, you can hold Judah up. I can't trust to be saved because you didn't hold up for them. But he did hold up for them. So you can trust God's track record when he makes promises to you. Isn't that good? (laughs) You're in this story. 2 Kings 19.32. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city. Look at this. He's defending Jerusalem. (laughs) He's not coming in here. Nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor build a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return. And he shall not come into this city, says the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. The Lord says, you're not coming in here. You won't even step in here. You're not going to shoot an arrow here. You're not going to bring shields in here. You're not going to lay siege in it. Nothing. Because this is my town. You're not coming in here. You're going to go back where you came from. And you're going to go back without having even touched Jerusalem at all. Friends, our God is capable of this. The Lord said he would fight for Jerusalem because of his own reputation. Because I am God. And because I said so, you're not coming in. That way the whole world's going to see. 
And also, not because of his own reputation, but also, he said, because of, of his servant David, because of that covenant promise that he made with David that I've already mentioned today. And that was spoken about in 1 Kings eleven thirteen. Here's a promise. God said, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. God picked that town. He says, I'm going to show the whole world who I am, and that's right where I'm going to do it, right there. Again, that's why it's always on the news, because God chose it, and the world hates that. So when God makes a promise, he keeps it. Even if he spoke it centuries ago, long back when everybody forgot. Oh, that was a long time ago. Oh, come on. He's still holding it. Friends, you know what? I have been to Jerusalem several times, and you know what? It's still there, and there's still Jews walking around. Okay, that's proof that God keeps his promises and he never forgets the promises that he makes and he always upholds them because he has the power to do it. Again, when God says you call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved, do you think you might be saved or you probably or what? You're going to be saved because he can hold it up. It's not based on you. God said, I will do this because of two things, my reputation and because of the promise I made. It's not based on you. So when we call upon the name of the Lord, he says, I'll save you. It's nothing about anything you can do. He says, because I promised it and because it's my rep, then I'll do it. Isn't that great? You can't blow it. (laughs) You can't ruin it. 2 Kings 19.35, and it came to pass on a certain night Here comes the ready to rumble. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed. (laughs) You think so? I'm out of here, Mr. Macho Man. He's running. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, returned home, and remained at Nineveh. He ain't coming back. God said, you ain't coming in this town. Look, he left, just as he said. So the Assyrian army, they were camped out against Jerusalem. They were waiting to hear Hezekiah go, okay, I'm sorry, I give up. Now, okay, well, let's go in now. They were waiting, like probably out on a hill somewhere, within view of Jerusalem, real close. But <clears throat> they were ready to attack at the word of the king. But when they woke up, and this is what's interesting, when they woke up, 185,000 of their own were dead everywhere. There's just dead bodies all over the place. Now, I am led to believe from reading this that this was not a loud, clankety, clankety, screaming, hollering, chaotic fight. And the reason I believe that. Uh, I don't think there was shouting and swords and all that. I, I don't think this was a physical, tangible fight. This battle was entirely spiritual. It was waged by the angel of the Lord because it says when the people woke up, they found them dead. See, if this had been a battle, they'd have woke everybody up. So this was a silent sweep here that went through that killed all these guys, I, be- I believe. And the survivors didn't know anything had happened. They were sleeping away. Like normal. And they didn't know nothing happened until they woke up. Now, how do you sleep through this? Unless it was quiet. But it was not physical. It was not tangible. It was entirely spiritual. So they woke up and saw the corpses everywhere. 
2 Kings 19, 37. Now it came to pass as he was worshiping, look at him, still at it. As he was worshiping in the temple of Nisroch, his God, that his sons Adramelech and Sherazer struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Then Ereshaddon, his son, reigned in his place. So guys, look at the downright ignorance of King uh, Sennacherib here. He was caught in the very act of rejecting God, worshiping his false God right up to the very end of it, of it all. He, he just hated the Lord God with everything he had. He rejected the Lord, and he had proved his complete and total disregard for the Lord. The man just would not turn. He just wouldn't do it. And that pains me when I share the gospel with people. They just won't turn. Me and Anna were sharing with a girl at the uh, HEB grocery store line the other day. You know, Jesus, and no, I don't do that stuff. I don't. She, she was smiling and happy, and we thought, oh, yeah, she, she's happy. She'll listen. Boy, she, um, no, don't want it. Don't, just won't turn. They got their own little gods they worship, their, their money or their whatever it is, their career, all that stuff. They just don't want God. And this man just would not turn. Even after all this, and he ran away from Jerusalem, he's back with his God. I mean, wouldn't you be, you'd think the guy would be in his temple going, hey, Nishrach, whatever your name is, why didn't you help me in Jerusalem? Why didn't you do something? No, he's over there worshiping him. Ignorant, all the way around. Wouldn't turn. And you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, it's my life. When I tell them the gospel, it's my life, I can do whatever I want to, you know. And that's, that's correct. You, you, you can do whatever you want to, but you've got to understand that rejecting the Lord means He does not have to protect you either. He does not have to provide for you. As a matter of fact, the way He woke me up was by taking things away from me. And He took a lot away from me. I was down to nothing. I could tell you about that story sometime. It's pretty rough. But He didn't have to protect Him, just like Sennacherib chose to reject God's protection. He could have had it. Do you realize even Sennacherib could have had God's protection and provision? He could have, but because he refused, he was killed by an assassination plot. He was killed. The Lord could have spared him, but the man just wasn't going to turn. He had his time, and it was an assassination plot set up by his own sons. And even beyond that, something I want you to think about. Consider that the Lord could have killed Sennacherib during the night along with his army, but he didn't. He still gave the man another shot to turn around and get right. Do you see the mercy he gave this guy? Everybody's too quick to say, oh, look, he killed him. How did God so mean? Look at all the chances he gave the man to wake up and turn around. He could have had him killed in the night with his army, but the Lord spared him. And But this time, though, when he was worshiping his God... In his temple, the Lord God had him die in a much more disgraceful way. He was murdered by those closest to him. Think about it. If Sennacherib had been killed on the battlefield, at least people could have honored him with valor. Well, he went down in battle. He fought for us, and they would have held him up. But he didn't die like that. He died by his own sons. What a disgraceful way to go. He died from assassination people closest to him right under the nose of the false god that was supposed to protect him. And I think the reason why the Lord God had him killed in that temple, I think the Lord made a very big statement against all false gods.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.